episode of the Better Two Podcast is brought to you by Kitty Mystic and DM Needham, author of My Days with the Dark Muse, as well as Love is Worth Waiting For. Hi, gang. Donna here. Thanks for tuning in to the Better Two Podcast. Today's guest is Gulrika Carlson. She is from Sweden. And we talk a little bit about Sweden, but not much. We end up talking about her book, which is 247, The Journey Home to My Heart. And we talk about the struggles, how she used to wake up every night at the same time. She would sleep for maybe 15 minutes if she was lucky. And her body started manifesting these problems because of it. So enjoy. Hi, Lurka. How are you doing? I'm fine. Thank you. And how are you? I'm good. You are, you said Stockholm, Sweden. Yes, I'm here in my, <laughs> in my mobile home in Stockholm, Sweden, in in. I think it's like yeah, seven o'clock here, eight o'clock here in the, in the evening. Yeah, it's 11, 11 and 50 here, almost noon. So yeah, yeah. Big time difference, but you can't tell. I mean, it still looks bright and sunny. And of course, are you, do you guys do daylight savings time? Yeah, we have like Sweden is one of the countries in the world where we have, where the sun never sets in the wow. summer times. Okay. So uh, it's, it's a little bit of, of a dawn around, you know, two o'clock in the night and then it gets... <laughs> Uh, so the dusk and dawn is around two o'clock. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah and you I can get do a... midnight skiing here and the sun is shining. So that's. You don't think about those. You don't think about those things. You know, in America, we hear about Alaska having that, that time where there's no, there's one town, I think, where there's no nighttime at all for a while, or there's continuous nighttime. Yeah, and I mean, exactly. I, I get upset when the uh, sun peeps through the blackout curtains at five in the morning. I'm like, eh, no, I'm not ready to get up yet. So I can't even imagine, can't even imagine. So we didn't come here to talk about the sun, but since you're in Sweden, and this is going to be a different perspective because you actually have a book called 2247, The Journey Home to My Heart. Now, this is an autobiography because you went through a lot of stuff growing up. I take it that you just, you manifested things physically because of your self-esteem issues. Yeah, you have absolutely right there. Um, so I don't know where to start. Um, I've always been a very, very sensitive child. And in, in my culture in Sweden, we are not supposed to feel too much or to be too much. Um, so everything that is considered to be too much is sort of suppressed or, you know, uh, diverse or distracted with, uh, with other things. So... I was very, very sensitive and I didn't know that. So I learned, I learned at a very young age to sort of shut myself down and to suppress my expression and suppress um, my, my emotions and a big part of who I was. Because we as human beings, we all want to fit in. We want to, you know, be included and we want to be a part of whatever, you know, the tribe or society. And so I did what I did very unconsciously at the time and over the years this suppressing myself and as you said having a low self-esteem but a very high uh, combined with a very high inner demands on myself and also others so I started to sleep really really bad uh, at a very young age and so I developed sleeping disorders at a young age and then you know over time I adapted to these sleeping disorders uh, 
uh, and I woke up early in the night and then I adapted to that and then I had trouble falling asleep back into sleep again so it was like an ongoing downward spiral into having only at the end like 15 minutes of sleep per night for a very long period of time and if you sleep only 15 minutes per night and I woke up at 2:47 a.m. you know every night for as long as I could remember and I woke up being in total panic and I had this horrible images on my my brain that I've been you know waking up from the dream that where I was being murdered and tortured so I had all these you know burning memories still in my in my memory and I had this sort of stale taste of blood in my mouth and my heart was pounding so when you only sleep 15 minutes per night obviously it affects you know everything you know you know the mental physical emotional sexual uh, spiritual all the levels are really involved and i was depressed and i w- i was having deep and heavy panic attacks and i was uh, suicidal eventually so this lack of sleep sort of pushed me into a corner where i become depressed and suicidal so i write about my journey home to myself home to my heart uh, and that's the title so 247 a.m the journey home to my heart describing yeah describing my journey and also this book aims sort of to be an inspirational for people who suffers from mental illness because you cannot you cannot you know sleep 15 minutes per night and be well functioning in in your life or in society because it affects all areas of life so uh, and i'm also describing you know in my life and in my book which i write about in a very raw and vulnerable vulnerable space that um these emotions that i've suppressed and these high inner demands i really needed to face and to transform them so i could work functionally again and so i describe that also in my book how we can transform our inner wounds traumas whatever into more consciousness and into more light i don't know how old you are i saw this this morning um and they were talking about how this is with therapist that gen x so gen x that generation was not parented properly. They didn't get the nurturing, they didn't get the love, they didn't get what they needed. And like they keep the therapist in business now because they're trying to learn how to reparent themselves. And what you're describing is exactly that. You having to learn how to take care of yourself with the things you didn't learn. In America, we were taught, and I am part of Generation X, we were taught to be seen and not heard. So don't have a voice. But then my generation also became the generation of where divorce started becoming prominent. We were we became latchkey kids. And so there was a whole motivation thing of well, what am I going to do now? And you had some parents that were very much the parental figure. But a lot of the times when these divorces happened, the fallout was the kids. 
because the parents would play games with the kids. The parents would not, they suddenly, what you had was a stable home that was suddenly in chaos. And so I can understand what you're saying about you have to turn around and find your own self-worth and reparent yourself. Because if you don't, it does fester. It does turn into something physical. And for a long time, I never realized I had an anxiety disorder until certain things. And the fact of the matter is, you know, when you look at, I now have a thyroid issue. And the interesting thing is, did the, it's kind of like the chicken and the egg because did the thyroid issue come from adrenal fatigue from being in fight or flight all the time, or has the anxiety come from the thyroid issue? So it's kind of chicken and the egg. You, you don't know, but these things do manifest. And that's the thing. We don't look at that. We're, we're constantly under these expectations, as you were saying, as to we need to perform a certain way. We need to do this. And, and what happens, as you were describing, is we start internalizing that, making that pressure even more so than what our parents gave to us. Because it's like, well, we have to please them. We have to make sure this is the way it happens. But what if we fall short? Well, that's the thing. We're human. We're going to fall short, but we're not given that grace. Exactly. I totally agree. And and here in Sweden, it's very common that we have, you know, daycare, daycare centers, and we we, when the child is only one year old, we, we leave the child there for eight hours while we go, you know, being busy in our careers, being busy, doing nothing really. And this, you know, I'm a yogi because in my depression and when I was being suicidal, yoga sort of found me. And yoga only means union and not union only in these advanced poses that we see here in the Western world, but union with you know, all part of my personalities with my inner wounds and my inner gifts, my inner lightness, my inner darkness, whatever, you know. And so yoga means really connection with all of these bits and parts, these scrambled parts that, that, are, that, are, that we are. So uh, here we, we turn out our kids, you know, to somebody else to watch them for like eight hours. And and when I was young, I was only three months old. I was three months, a three months old baby where my mom had to go back to work. So I was at the daycare for like 10 hours a day. And it would be so amazing if, you know, people could start to do really big researches around the world to see what happens with the children. Because as a yogi, I know now, I didn't know at the time, Something happens when we are separated from our mom. You know, we are breastfeeding. We are, you know, used to her skin, to be close, to, to feel her voice, her senses, everything like this. Because in yogic perspective, for the first three or four years, we share the same immune system as our moms. And we share the same auras, the same energetic field as our moms, as our mothers. So when you take the baby out of that aura or away from that immune system, obviously it's going to affect your immune system, you know, 10, 20, 30, 50, 60 years later. Mm -hmm. And it also affects what we call as the connection, uh, how you connect to people, because this gets really imbalanced when you're being separated from your mom. So this disconnection causes depression, uh, hormonal imbalances, sleeping disorders, 
cancer, you know, I'm just talking from the yogic perspective. So you who's listening, you take whatever that resonates with you. So we are, we are living in societies that are creating unhealthy behaviors and unhealthy lifestyles. And we also have this sort of focus that we need to perform. We need to be good, to be the good girl, the good daughter, to be, you know, the good mom, whatever, uh, to be, to be highly paid, have a high education. So even in our words, we use things, you know, that is taking us away from our bodily experiences. We want to move up the career ladder. We are, you know, moving forward. Break the glass Um, ceiling. Exactly. This means that the energy is sort of leaving the body and moves up to higher uh, chakras. And so we become not only disconnected from our mothers or, you know, when we are children or small children as babies, we are also being separated from ourselves, from who we are, who we are at the soul level. And this disconnection, you can live, you know, with this for 10 years, as I said, 20, 30, 40 years, but eventually it's going to catch up on you. And it's like throwing a boomerang, you know, you can, you can run, but eventually it's going to hit you in the neck. Yeah. And so I know so many people, I'm born 1971, so I'm, I'm 51 years old. And so many in my age group and, and younger here in Sweden and older, by the way, as well, that are really, you know, disconnected from self. And this disconnection causes a lot of stress and trauma and eventually disease is being, not at ease, we, we, are, we are getting diseases. So a lot of the diseases that we see in our Western world are basically stemmed from not being with our mothers in a way that is good for us in the long run. When, I know exactly what you're talking about as far as daycare, because that's exactly what we do here. I think you get maybe three months, maybe four months of maternity leave if you're lucky. And then, yeah, people, because I had a friend who worked at daycare and they, she was in the, the baby room. And she told me about it, you know, so I get that. And I remember when, when I was first becoming a step parent, the girls were four and six and we had made a conscious effort at that point, um, that I was going to become a stay at home mom. Now, do I recommend that? If that's not what you want to do, then no, but I, I spent four years basically for the most part as a stay at home mom. And that was a very rewarding time because I got to have a lot of life experience, especially when the little one was home all the time. And secondly, one day when they got boy Barbies, they had gotten new kids on the block dolls to go with their little girl Barbies for Easter. They wanted the dolls to have sex. The oldest one did. And I had to pull her aside at seven years old and say, what do you know about this? And she's like, oh, well, some girl at daycare told me. And I'm like, Okay. Now they weren't in daycare at this point. So this happened before. So she was six years old and they were, somebody told her about sex. So it's like, that's the other thing about going to daycare. And I mean, it can happen at school too. You don't know what the other kids are telling your child. You don't know what kind of parenting is being taught there. Exactly. And you don't even know, you know, anything about the teacher or the whole system that is supposed to, you know, uh, the system that is supposed to help us grow actually is the system that keeps us in place. Well, and that's, that's, I've talked to a couple of people about this. It's like when we 
we talk about schooling and we are taught how to read, which is important. We taught, we're taught how to write, we're taught math. Those are all great skills, but we're not taught, taught, taught how to socialize. We're not taught self-care. We're not taught how to de-stress. We're not taught anymore. We used to have home economics and auto shop. So you can learn basics on how to take care of yourself. We don't even have that here now. No, I know. And I mean, if you so, talk, one more thing, I, if you taught them how to garden too, then they're working with the earth. They're also working with nature and they're working with their body. Exactly. So there's a lot of different ways we could do to better our education system and not just it be so high pressure. Exactly. For sure. It's just a couple of years ago, I have two teenagers. I'm a single mom. And so two years ago, maybe, maybe three, one of my kids came home from school and, and he said, Oh, I have this test. So what do you have a test on? Oh, old King's, and queens of Sweden. And I was like, okay. And one of the questions actually was, what was one of the king's clothes? What was he wearing? And I'm like, my gosh, you know, we did this in the 70s. And now it's like 20, maybe this was like 2018. And I'm like, you know, haven't the educational system moved forward at all since the 1970s? My gosh, is this the crap that we're teaching our children in school? Who, who gives a damn? What our, you know, king that lived 500 years ago, what kind of clothes he was wearing? Because there's so many more essential issues at these times that we live in, as you say, like how to communicate, how to have healthy boundaries for yourself and others, to meditate, because we are also living in very stressful times, how to, you know, find that inner, that inner peace, that inner space where you can be yourself and when you can heal. There's so many things that we could teach. And as you say, being natural with nature, because we are natural beings, we're from nature, right? So so I'm just, you know, horrified at what they're teaching the kids at school today. And we know that kids are, you know, doing well with with um, sports or some kinds. They have even taken that away. You know, my, my kids are now in the, what is it called in, in uh, maybe it's college, you call it college yeah and they don't even have sports you know so they sit in front of the computer or like eight hours a day when you're growing and that's not healthy that's not natural at all so i'm like so the systems that we truly you know have been become so dependent upon and we think that these are the systems that are gonna help us in our evolution i my personal opinion is and that's, you know, the total opposite. Well, and I've had this discussion, I had posted something on Facebook about gardening should be taught in school. And my uncle who's in his seventies comes back at me and says, well, that's the parent's job. And I don't know about over there, but over here, there's a lot of parents that are working two jobs and they don't have the luxury of being able to sit down with their kid and do this. Mm. And I'm not saying that the parents shouldn't have some culpability, but you know, how do you raise a family if you're working two jobs? How do you exactly. raise a family if you don't have time for a family? And then because you're always here, here we go back to the body because especially over here, because it's become such a fast paced thing. Back in the eighties, I worked at McDonald's. We, we did not have a credit card. It was cash. It was a luxury thing. We had a drive through. That's when drive through started happening. But now we have two drive through ordering things. We have one window and we have, we take credit cards. So 
I don't feel like cooking tonight. I'm just going to stop here. Mm. And that stuff is toxic for you. Yeah, for sure. So there's so many bits and parts of this that we're discussing, and um, I totally agree. And everything, everything that, you know, that we are being through, you know, from, from, um, again, I'm talking from the yogic perspective, from the conception when the egg and the sperm is meeting and melting into one, and when the child is being carried, you know, in her mother's womb, we are affected by everything that is going on like if my mother has some trauma or or if you know so this trauma thing can also go back generations back because it's in our blood it's mm -hmm. in our dna and i write that in another book called holy holy fuck in sacred water the secret connections to everything so many of us that lives today in these stressful western societies we have so much trauma so much stress, so much unresolved emotions stored deep within our bodies. And most of us, we're not even conscious of it. And I'm not talking about, you know, big traumas like, like, you know, being abused or anything. There can be traumas from when I was young and I came home. And as you say, nobody was at home. My parents was working. So maybe I was there for several hours before somebody came home or, Maybe I came home with a drawing and nobody had time to, to see that drawing or to, you know, to acknowledge it. So all these small, from very, very small traumas to, of course, very, very large and big traumas, they're stored deep within us. And how can we even claim that we live life in freedom when we are, you know, so occupied and so full of old programs and old traumas? Which, which most of us are not even aware of, because we are governed by 95%, 95% of unconscious programs. And these programs we learn from, you know, from our society, from our family, from school, from other systems, political systems, from economical systems, from religious systems. Uh, so we are being taught at a very, very young age, you know, how to think, how to behave, how to be a good citizen, but I mean, it's not always the same thing to be a good citizen, to be happy and to be free, right? Right. And, and the thing is, we're taught from, with those things being put in place, we're given a label and those labels carry over to as we get older, because it's like your relationship, depending on how you were raised with your parents, your relationship about sex is going to be one way, your relationship about relationships and marriage is going to be seen as a certain way. And the other thing, when you're talking about generational things that most people look at, don't look at, we look at our parents and we go, well, they were flawed. They did this, they were their mistakes. But then we give our grandparents pass because our grandparents had matured by the time we got to know them. So therefore we didn't see all their flaws technically, but the truth of the matter is our parents' flaws also came from our grandparents, which came from their parents and so on and so forth. And it keeps getting passed down because it's going back to the second, when you were talking about political system, if you listen in religion, if you listen and constantly focus on what your parents have taught you and constantly want to stay in that position of, I want to please my parents. I want to have the same faith as my parents. I want to have the same political views as my parents. I don't want discord, but then you're not freely, freely thinking. You're not being your own person. 
And until you actually step back and go, okay, I don't want this. You know, how do you, you know, you have to be willing to step back and change. It's like, I remember my mom got married. I think she was 18 when she got married. My grandmother got married at 17 and neither of them finished high school. And I said to myself, even though I was not enjoying school, I'm going to finish this because I'm breaking that cycle. And I didn't get married the first time until I was 26. I wanted to break that cycle. And that's the whole thing. You have to be conscious of your choices and say, let me look at the bigger picture and let me look around me and see where I'm at and what I really believe in. And the fact of the matter is at 26, did I really know what I believed in? No. At 55, yeah, yeah, I kind of do. I mean, I'm not quite 55 yet, but I'm close. And so it's like, I do understand what I believe in. I do know myself well enough now, but here's the thing. And you know this, just because I say I know myself, there's still a lot more of myself to learn and a lot more about the world to learn. And you're allowed, this is the one thing we never give ourselves grace for. You're allowed to change your opinion and your perspective over time. Exactly, exactly. Because again, from the yogic perspective, like we know, you know, cells are dying and being reborn. Even just when we're sitting here and having this conversation, Donna, you know, some cells are dying and other cells are being born, right? Mm -hmm. And and so we are always, you know, in, a, in an evolution. But if I'm having these unconscious traumas stored within the body, if I'm having unresolved emotions, if I'm having the same way, you know, the, the way that I think, my patterns, my behaviors, if they are the same, then they, you know, then there is no evolution because then the imprint is in every second moment, in every, every moment. So we really need to consciously choose differently. We need to do it differently. And so I do a lot of karma clearings in my work now, in my line of work. So where, where I help people to clear off their old karma from this lifetime and from previous lifetimes. So it's like a reboot. And people are so surprised, you know, when they get these karma clearings because they are so accurate and they say, oh, I, I didn't even realize sort of that that was a trauma or, you know, that this was, you know, a pattern of my behaviors because we are so used to them, right? So we're not even thinking about them. And we know that growth doesn't occur in our comfort zone because growth and evolution is always moving and stepping out from our comfort zone. But it's so comfort <laughs> and so familiar in our comfort zone. So that's why so many of us are having these repetitive patterns of behaviors and thoughts because we don't want it to change. We, we, we want to have, you know, better results. We want to maybe ha improve our health or improve our lifestyles. But many of us are not prepared to do the job, the inside job. I'm not talking about big educations. I'm not talking about climbing the career ladder. I'm talking about diving into our inner shit that is stored within the cells, within the DNA, to dive in and to really be a witness of all these things that we are not even aware of. Because how can I change your behavior and a pattern if I'm not even aware? So the first, the first way to change is to become more aware, to have access to more consciousness. 
I agree. I mean, I remember when I first moved out, I was 18 years old and there was a whole trauma thing there. But um, when I moved out, I guess I was out for about maybe three months. And my roommate at the time looks at me and she goes, why do you say you're sorry all the time? And I looked at her like she was completely insane. I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, you say it all the time. Why do you say it all the time? And I'm like, I'm not aware I did. And I guess the truth of the matter is at the time, because of how I grew up, I felt I had to apologize for even existing with my mom. But we don't think about those things. We just, it's, you're constantly trying to appease and it becomes some kind of back backward dialogue that just comes out of your mouth and it's not that you're not genuinely sorry at times but it just comes out because well that's what you have to do and I know for me now it's like I know when I when my when I'm stressed that is a go-to it's still a go-to even though you don't want it to be it's still a go-to because my boss even one day called me and he's like why do you say I'm sorry I'm like oh boy you know it's like I didn't realize but yeah, these programs run really, really deep. And then we can just imagine that these are just programs maybe from this lifetime. And then, as you said, our ancestors, because, you know, in our blood, our bloodlines runs all these other traumas and unresolved shit. So basically, we are full of fucked up programs, which we need to dare to look at so we can transform. And so if I want to have, you know, better health, if I want to have a better life, if I want to have changes in my life, then I need to, to change, not only, you know, change a job because I'm bringing my patterns and my behaviors with me to that job or to the new house or into a new relationship. So the work that I need to do isn't always an insider job. So I need to be moving my focus that I'm having, you know, moving forward or up. <laughs> and I need to direct it into me so because here in 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 each and one of us lies you know the answers and here lies the keys for sustainable change because I can obviously you know I can jump from one relationship to another or I can jump from one job to another and I can move around and still never be happy or you know still experiencing the same things because wherever I go I'm carrying myself and my unreleased traumas so instead of you know just moving forward we equally have to move the same kind of energy into ourselves and do some introspection and to dare to see feel and observe you know the uncomfortable shit because that's where we can transform and to find high states of consciousness and in my latest book which is called uh, the divine the divine, the sacred soul, a divine evolution through time and space. I'm talking a lot about what we, you know, discussed a little bit here, just on the surface, these systems that has been in place for thousands of years to keep us in the matrix. But what we see now is that there are so many people, you know, even though that we have everything, we have so many opportunities and possibilities, and, you know, we have never had so many options like we do now but people are still not being happy or, you know, still being miserable or having this sense that something very important is missing. So there's so many people that is sort of downloading 
moving, you know, from full part, full time jobs, maybe, you know, working just a couple of hours or, or changing directions in their lives, because there's so many people that really are longing to be more aligned with their soul and who they are at the soul level. And we can never find that out there. We can never find that in a new job, in a kitchen renovation, in fixing my boobs, uh, you know. So we can never find these things in the outer realm. So it's like for thousands of years, we have been programmed to look for the wrong things in the wrong places. But we really, really should look into ourselves because that's where the answers and the keys well, are. It, it's very true. I mean... I know that when, before my husband passed, um, his parents had passed and we took a bunch of their stuff and dealing with the grief, we looked outside of ourselves. And I, I often now going back through stuff, cause I'm in the process of decluttering. I look at some of the stuff we bought and it's like our inner child was running this house. There, there's, yeah. there's, there's pop Funko things that don't, they're sitting on a shelf doing absolutely nothing. It's like, what was the point of this? And it's like, but that was trying to appease that inner calling instead of actually stopping and fixing that inner calling. And, you know, you're talking about going within. The thing is, we are taught constantly in this world, in the outside world, that you need this, especially here. I don't know about there, but here it's like, oh, you need this car. You need this. You need this new phone. You need this. It's like, do you really? We're all connected. And if you look at the news where all you're going to see is fear and battling and worry, there's nobody that's actually going to get any peace because we're, we're jitting you up to feel fear constantly that the world is ending. The sky is falling, chicken little. You better run. And I mean, that's all that does is make it even more toxic for you to feel stuck. Exactly. Exactly. And that is the way that it's been for thousands of years. It's been fear mongering. Uh, programs of fear. So most people where I do like karma clearings, they have programs of fear, you know, and fear can be everything from being afraid of a spider or being afraid of being successful, you know. Some people are afraid of being alone and other people are terrified of being in relationships. So we all have very much a fear and a lack-based perspective, you know. And I know in your country and in my country as well, many people are being workaholics, for instance. And being a workaholic could be seen in our society as something that is good, that you're effective, you're productive, you, you know, you're a good citizen, you earn a lot of money, etc. You know, all this bullshit. But really, being a workaholic, it's a, a you know, a serious imbalance in the so-called root chakra and it's connected to what we'll be talking about you know to the to the parents and especially at the young age the connection to your mother so many people that are workaholics they have a really 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 disconnected or distorted connection to their mother or to the feminine energy the yin energy within themselves whether they are you know masculine or feminine in in female or male bodies. So here we are. And Buddha was talking about this as well, like what creates the suffering for us human beings, what truly creates the suffering for us human beings is the cravings, the cravings for that car or for a higher paycheck or for a higher education or for new breasts or for new lips or a new kitchen. 
So when I have cravings to be happy, etc., you just fill in the blanks. And then the other polarity is aversion. We want to avoid negative feelings. We want to avoid hard feelings. We want to avoid difficult situations. We want to avoid this and that, fill in the blanks. So here we are running around in the matrix, you know, striving for this and that and avoiding this and that, which never really takes us in this moment because we are always escaping from something or to something, right? Mm -hmm. And how can we even be in the illusion that this rat race is going to make us happy? This running away from something or, you know, running to some to something so uh in all the tools that i offer is you know is is like yoga for instance uh, i've by the way developed a yoga hormone yoga for lust and sensuality which is really good if you have problems with your thyroid or your adrenals or your ovaries as a woman because as you say it's all entangled Mm-hmm. You know, our insides, uh, inside realities matches the outside and, and vice versa. So I, I lost a bit of my um, red thread. But anyway, like these times that we are in now is very challenging. And many of us that have it all, you know, we have all the money, we have the new kitchens, we have the cars, we have the newest fashion, you but know. It's not fulfilling. It's not fulfilling. And so many people are longing to be more whole because it's like that we are keep, keep, filling our inner holes with a lot of destruction or that we are numbing ourselves with, with various stuff. So um, we are filling our inner realities with a lot of made up unnecessary things that doesn't make us happy. And then we question why when we are running around in the rat race, chasing this or avoiding that. So basically Buddha was right when he was talking about you know, what causes suffering to humankind. It is the avoidance, whether it's to avoid, you know, to avoid an anxiety attack or whether it's to have a craving for more money in my bank account. So um, it's really, it's really interesting how we modern people, we think that we are so modern and that we are so conscious, but we truly are not. So this whole times that we are in, that I'm writing a lot about in my new book, The, the Sacred Soul, The Divine Evolution, is about to come back to the natural beings that we are and to be led by our souls rather than our egos. Well, and what, you make, what you're saying makes total sense because how many people are, are they're, the, they're the group of people that I took this position, I became a doctor, I became a, an accountant, I became a lawyer, fireman, whatever, insert whatever, because my parent did it and it was exactly. a good, and it was a good job. It was a good steady job, but it's soul sucking. Yes. Um, I was an insurance. I worked in automobile claims and I worked my way from a mail file clerk all the way up to a claim supervisor, a unit supervisor, not the whole office. But at a certain point, my husband's like, well, you could take over the office. I'm like, I don't want that. I, I was barely keeping it together because Here's the, the worst thing about that job, besides being a supervisor. There were certain aspects I loved, like the investigation. But at a certain point, when you're doing that job, whether you're judging the auto accident 
or determining how much somebody's injuries are worth. You're becoming a judge. And that's not a very good position to be in. It's a very toxic position to be in, especially when on top of that, you're pushed with a caseload that you have to get through and you're doing this and this and this and this, and you have this requirement. And so you're a hamster on a wheel and you're continuing, you're continuing. And I remember near the end of that job, I was sitting there going, I'm going to quit. I was on the verge of a nervous breakdown and I would get off work. I'd pick up my husband from the train station and from the time I picked him up until I got home, I was going on about this job because it was eating at my soul. Exactly. And I had the same when I was, uh, I write about it, I share about it in my book, 2.47 a.m., The Journey Home to My Heart, that you mentioned earlier, Donna. Uh, so on Friday evenings when I came home from work, I had you know, like 50, I had like a window of 15 minutes break from my anxieties of going to this job that I truly hated. I was a preschool teacher. And it's not that I hated the kids because I love the kids, but the environment was so toxic for these poor kids, like big groups and stressed staff and a very, you know, dysfunctional organization. So so I had this window of like 50 minutes while I was having my Friday dinner. And then after that, I was, you know, worrying about going to work on Monday morning. So that, you know, it took my whole weekend away. Uh, and because I was worrying and I had pain in my stomach, I couldn't sleep. Um, and here is the thing that I've discovered through my own, you know, recovery and also what I do in my line of work, that almost all behaviors that we see in the Western world, some of them that we have mentioned here, you know, and it could be anything from people pleasing that we all, you know, we want to please people because we want to make people happy. We want to be included. We want to be loved and we want to, you know, make people feel loved. So we are being people pleasers. We are being this, this, with this drive or ambition we are you know as, as i said moving around in the rat race and all of these are merely you know unconscious deep wounds and trauma responses so it takes a lot of courage also to dare to see all these things these patterns these behaviors these dysfunctional unconscious programs that we are filled and programmed with this inner bullshit and outer bullshit as well because what we see today, and I just want to add, like this for me is really interesting. Like take the word government, for instance. Govern means like control or rule, and meant is mind. So government is basically translated into mind control. And just, you know, take a look at these last two and a half years, what has been going on. It's been mind control on a very, very advanced and subtle level. So people believe that this is what we have to do. This is what we have to do because somebody else is telling me. And so we are being so disconnected from our true self and from our, you know, who we are at the soul level. So maybe we can hear it as soft whispers, but we are too afraid because we have the programs of fear and lack. We don't want to miss out from society. We don't want to you know, miss out from our family and friends. We want to be part of everything. So this fear and lack perspective uh, is really, 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 you know, both 
in the individual consciousness and also in the collective consciousness. So the behaviors that we are watching that we have in the Western world are, I would say, like to 95% equal as the subconscious or unconscious mind is ruled by trauma responses. Well, and you, what you're talking about with, with governments, the same tr thing is true with religion. I mean, when you think about it, and I'm going to be just blatant, religion has taught us that if you have self-pleasure or if you have premarital sex, then you're going to hell. Exactly. Why? And why? And here's the thing. Why should a woman, and especially it's harder on women, why should a woman not know her own body? Why, I know. Should, why should a woman, we're, we're supposed to just be there for you? Well, that's okay, I guess. But the fact is, if we can't tell you what we want, shouldn't it be in a, a pleasurable experience for both? Shouldn't it be a more, dare I say, spiritualized, almost a spiritual connection? Besides the physical, wouldn't that make it that much more heightened if we both knew how to pleasure, get pleasure out of it? I totally agree. And I'm, I'm writing a lot about that in the book, Holy Fuck and Sacred Water. And, and also that it's okay for men to have a lot of sex, you know, then they're good and they're studs and, you know, mm -hmm. their vitality is high. But if women does it, then they're sluts and, you know, whores. And so there's so many fucked up programs. It doesn't mean that we are at, at the soul level that we are fucked up but our programs that is holding us, you know, in the, in the matrix that is holding us in low consciousness. And I always talk a lot about, and I write a lot about the feminine and the masculine energies like yin and yang. And again, we have them regardless of gender, but like in, in our societies today, we see so much, so much of the unconscious and immature feminine and masculine energies. And everybody thinks that this is the way it should be but it's not. So what is happening now in these, you know, inspiring and challenging times is that we are moving from the unconscious feminine and unconscious masculine into higher states of consciousness of the feminine and masculine. For instance, I'm just going to give some examples of the uh, feminine. So the feminine is a, quite a subtle energy uh, and, and it's like, you know, the, the moon and the sun, they, they are, it's total polarities, but we need them both, right? We cannot just have the sun all the time and we cannot only have the moon. And it's like day, night, men and women, whatever, love and fear. And so very unconscious energy that we see in the world today is the manipulation, right? Whether it's on an individual level or it's a collective level or it's from mass media level, whatever. So manipulation, but that is the low immature feminine consciousness to be very manipulative and then we can see a very immature and unconscious masculine behavior which is for example to take over responsibility to be the good you know the good father the good mother the good the good girl in school so by playing these roles and these parts we are all individually and collectively upholding these low states of energies, these low states of consciousness. So if we shall rise in consciousness on an individual level, this means that, you know, we bring this energy into the collective consciousness self as well, because everything is just mirroring each other. And what we see that is going on in the world today is very low consciousness. 
you know, money, power over, and greed has been ruled for thousands of years. And, and you know, everybody wants to have more, you know, as we, we talked about, we want to move forward and, and all of this. So these programs are very low in frequency, very low vibrational energetic things, and we see them everywhere. So it's, again, it's an insider job to dare to go in and to, to take radical responsibility for your own bullshit and to, for your traumas, your, your stress, your unprocessed emotions, anything. And the more darkness that we dare to face and to transform, the more shadows and wounds that we dare to, you know, look into, the, the higher access we have to a higher states of consciousness. Well, and you know, what you're describing too is perfect for social media. It's perfect social media fodder. I mean, whether it's TikTok or Facebook or Instagram, you can sit there and scroll for hours if you really want to. I don't. I, I post my stuff that I have to post and then I get off. And because I know that there's a detriment there that you could lose time and what, what productive stuff are you doing? And then depending on how the algorithm wants to, to get your goat or get you going, it can share stuff with you that's going to just get you ticked off. So, and there's cute puppies and cute kitties, but there's also the really BS that's going to just tick you off. So why spend the time there if it's not even reality? It's, it's here. You could, you could look like this. You should keep up with the Joneses. What if I don't want to keep up with the Joneses? What if I want to be me? Exactly. And, and that's, that's the big thing. And I wanted to ask you, you know, cause we're all connected and we've talked about this, you know, the connection is there for all of us and, and it goes back to that vibration thing. But the bigger thing I want to ask you about is what is your perspective on time and reincarnation? Because that's the other thing, while we have karma and we have generational stuff, we also have some reincarnation because I've talked to another Yogi about this and that's from reincarnating with other lives. We're bringing that karma with us too. Of course we do. Yeah, that was, I was telling, uh, you know, like we were talking about generations back, but also all incarnations, because we know, I mean, it's a fact that energy never dies. Of course, like this, this body of mine will die in this lifetime, but the soul, you know, the eternal soul that each and one of us possess never dies. And for me, soul has nothing to do with religion, because you can be very soulful and very spiritual and, you know, not being religious and you can be very religious and not being soulful and spiritual at all. So there's no correlation there. So yes, obviously, I mean, all these memories of previous lifetimes, previous energy, you know, that you have experienced is stored within us. And that's what I'm writing about in the book, Holy Fuck, that we are so polluted, Donna. We are so polluted in our, you know, cells, in our DNA, and not only by these stressful lives that we are living now in the Western societies. We are polluted with unresolved shit from previous lifetimes, previous incarnations. So that's why it's so important to, because if I truly want to be free, then I need to clear all this shit out. And like a karma clearing that I, that I do for my clients is one way. And I'm also telling in the book, you know, about other mythologies or tools that we can use. But because these memories, both my own reincarnations 
and also, you know, my whole ancestral bloodlines. And then we have the soul lines, soul lineages, which is totally different because they can jump, you know, they can pass different um, civilizations or time frames or whatever. So just consider, you know, all these things that are building up and we are carrying it with it, you know, every day. And we are not even conscious about it. So, well, yes. And I have, I know somebody that's listening is going to sit there and go, but wait a second, ladies, the planet keeps growing. So how can we keep reincarnating if the planet keeps growing? Is the soul splitting? What is the soul doing? So there can also be, be, you know, energies from other planets that are coming down from other solar systems. Like my soul is the origination. Its origination is, you know, it's not from here, from Earth. So many people are coming in to help us. And also, I must add, we don't know because, you know, a, a couple of hundred years ago, people didn't count the way they do now. They didn't have the system or the tools or the mega supercomputers to, to count their population. So we don't know. We, we don't know. It's said like, you know, it can be either way. And, and time only exists for me. You asked about time. So I want to refer to that as well. Time exists here in this 3D so-called so reality. And the reality, if you have ever watched the Matrix movies, that's basically it. So we are living here in the 3D Matrix. But if you're moving up to the frequency of the soul, which is in the fifth dimension and up to the tenth and above, there's no time there. There's no time and space because then everything is just, you know, free spirit, free energy. So it's only here at, at this planet that we, you know, that we have time and we have created time as from the beginning as a beneficiary tool for us, you know, to experience. But, uh, and so, uh, yeah, it's very exciting. I could go so deep into this um, about time and, you know, aging and, and things like that. But, but uh, I just going to reveal that I look, you know, younger now at 51 than I did when I was traumatized and full of stress, stressed out, burned out, suicidal, and with a lot of unprocessed emotions 20 years ago. I looked older then than I do now. Well, that definitely stressful age you stressful stressful wear you down. I remember right after my husband died, um, I had taken a picture, and my friends like I still see your husband imprinted on you, because my husband used to run a lot of energy through me, and she's like, yeah, now you're not. I don't see him so much, and yeah, I do need to color my hair, but that's just something I I, I don't do it as often as I used to. It's like I'm embracing the gray, but I still don't look. I don't think as old as I do or as I am, mm -hmm. because most people. When I have my hair colored, most people think I'm in my 30s. I'm like, okay, if you want to go there, let's go. That's fine. I don't care. But when you're talking about the Matrix, the very first Matrix movie, I admit that after I watched it, I sat there for a moment or two stunned because I'm like, how do we know any of this is real? How do we really know? And I know my one of my friends looked at me and they were kind of taken aback too, but they were like, that's kind of a wild question. And why would you even think that? I'm like, because how do you really know that this is what it is this is what our mind has formed it and as a writer because i write fiction as a writer it's like i can create a whole new world and i have done it and the really wild thing is i had this conversation with somebody today um for me when i when i found out my husband was terminally ill he had a panic attack on the way home 
because nobody at the hospital, he had a stent procedure and they called me to tell me that they couldn't do anything else for his heart and that he was on borrowed time. Okay, they tell me this. This is what the hospital tells him. Well, everything went fine, you're good. And when I went to pick him up, I told the physician's assistant, I said, I'm not taking him home until somebody has this conversation with him because I'm not gonna be the one to tell him that he's on borrowed time. That's not fair to me, it's not fair to him. Hmm. So they tell him and we're on our way home and he has a massive panic attack. And he, he's diabetic and they can't find a vein and they try to go in his feet, which sends him even to more of a panic. And he's freaking out and he's, he's panicked and he's telling me how he doesn't want to leave me and everything else. So fast forward, he goes back to the hospital. I pick him up the next day, everything's okay. And he will live until June of the following year. But that night I went home and I wrote as one of my characters in my story of her actually physically losing her husband and him having a massive heart attack right in front of her and dying. When my husband died, he was sitting in a car next to me and he, we don't know if it was a heart attack or a stroke or both because he had damage to the heart as well. Um, he killed over in the car with me. So sometimes I think whether we speak it or write it, we can create our own reality. And I don't think, I think that's where you have to be careful with the fear and the worry because we do have the power to create our reality. Just like we do. We do. We do totally, because that's the thing that we are divine creators. And if we are divine creators, you know, that cre can create the lives that we want and without, you know, buying this or consuming that for money that we don't have to impress people that we don't like, then, you know, many of our systems would fall apart. And this is what's going on. This is what's going on because we are divine creators, but we have forgotten. We have given our power and our energy away for others to rule us, to govern us. So we have, we have given our life force away to others and we're not even conscious of it. We have given, you know, silently given consent for others to use our life force because we are the divine creators and we can create, we can, you know, if you, I, I don't believe that there's, you know, like, like a God like that, that is written in, in the Bible. I believe that God exists in each and one of us. I believe that we are, we are gods and goddesses, but we have forgotten. So I'll write about that in the book, Holy Fuck, and also the sacred soul of divine evolution. But here's the thing. We are being programmed again, that we've been talking about a lot. We dim ourselves, we distract ourselves, we numb ourselves. So we can manifest, but the manifesting abilities might not be as strong as if you are like a clear channel, sort of. And so I don't believe that the hell is, you know, the hell is up there or down there, uh, out, out there. I believe that we create the hell and the he heaven you know, in our own lives, also individually and collectively. And the inner hell that we're all experiencing due to all this that we've been talking about, the, the programs, the stress, 
the reincarnations, the ancestral lines, uh, bloodlines, uh, unprocessed emotions, etc. Fill in the blanks. So the inner fight that we have within ourselves is being projected out there. And that's why the world looks like it's today, because it's only mirroring. The inner realms is mirroring the outer realms and vice versa. So we, you know, and the lack perspective, I like this one because I mean, you in America, uh, you only have X amount of weeks of vacation and you have long working days. Again, this being workaholic, that's a severe imbalance in the root chakra. So, you know, lack of time. So it doesn't have to be lack of money or it can be lack of time. It can be lack of trust, lack of, you know, lack of patience, whatever. So we see these fucked up programs everywhere. And of course, if I have given away my power to the government or to other systems, and they say that you're, you know, you're living on borrowed time, that becomes my reality, right? Mm -hmm. But I know so many people that have had their, you know, times by doctors and say that you're not going to leave for more than X amount of weeks. And then they go home and they cry and they grieve and they, you know, like half dead already. But then something kicks in, this ignition, this, you know, this godlike, the spark uh, within, within each and one of us, the God spark. And so many people I know have, you know, miraculously become whole and healed. And the doctors, they don't even have an answer for that. Because we create, we create with every thought, with every word that we use. And that's why it's so interesting, like the word government. Why do we have that word? Why do we want our government to, you know, mind control equals? And the word understand, I understand, I stand under you. Like... Mm -hmm. So thoughts and words and actions, it's all just pure energy. My, and we my, create by every word and every thoughts and every action we do. Yeah. I mean, my grandmother, my grandmother fell in her apartment and fractured her leg and they wanted to, she was living in New Orleans, I was up here and she was, she was in a coma. She, they were sucking out blood out of her lungs and she was mumbling to her mother and, you know, being an intuitive person and, what I've done and studied the metaphysical, it's like, okay, that's not a good sign. Not a good sign at all. And they're like, well, she's not going to make it. I'm like, well, I'm coming down. They're like, can we operate? I'm like, why do you want to operate if she's not going to make it? Well, because just in case she does. Okay, fine. So they operated, fixed her leg. They're like, okay, we're going to put her in hospice because she comes through. They're still vacuuming blood out of her lungs. We're, we're going to put her in hospice. I'm like, okay. She gets kicked out of hospice. She survives Katrina. She goes through this whole gamut to go through. She goes through Katrina, Hurricane Katrina, makes it through there, moves up here. And I know why she survived. She survived until after I married my husband because she was so hell bent on making sure that I was taken care of, mm. that I had a partner. And then she passed three months after we were married. Mm. But she yeah. had got, and she wasn't in hospice at the time. Mm. So that's the thing. It's like, she had a reason to live. And that's the thing. If you have, a, if you can be clear enough, and I know depression is because my mom committed suicide. Depression can be something that takes you down. I know that. But if you can be clear enough, at least and have one thing to hold out hope for, it can keep you going. And that would be that God, God particle that kicks in because you know that tomorrow might be a better day. 
And that gives you motivation. Exactly. And most of us, we are controlled by our egos, by, as we said, you know, the fear and lack perspectives. And, and not so many of us are in connection with ourselves, with our bodies, with our souls. And since, since we're not connected to ourselves and our bodies, and the soul is partially, you know, living within us, in our bodies, in our physical bodies, like the body is the temple, the container for the sacred soul. So uh, there's so many examples of these, you know, like how, how a little thing, a word, or, you know, a thought can change, you know, like small things can have major, major impacts because we never know. Um, a couple of years ago, I was on an education and, um, well, I was telling what I did. And so the facilitator came up to me and she, she said, okay, so you're a healer. And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm a healer. We all are. It's just, you know, like hidden, hidden gems uh, underneath mm. all the bullshit. So anyway, so and she said, I'm really, really worried about my mom. She was from South Africa. So she was in, in Sweden for this, this training. And her mom was over 80 and had gotten ammonia, you say pneumonia. So she was in hospital. And she said, I'm so worried about my mom. And, you know, I, I'm not going home. I can't go now. I don't have a flight ticket. Can you do anything for her? And I, up till then, had always had a limited belief that I needed, you know, to do hands-on healing mm -hmm. for it to, to be. And I said, well, I, I could try. And so I go home and, you know, at six o'clock, I just sat down and I didn't even know the name of the mother. I just, you know, oh, ex-mother's name uh, and somewhere mm -hmm. in South Africa. So I was just connecting to my heart and, and then I did my healing stuff. <laughs> then she comes to me the next morning and she says, did you do anything yesterday? And I was like, yeah, I did. But, you know my perception was that I didn't do anything because I, it wasn't anything mm -hmm. physical or, or I couldn't explain it with words. It was beyond words, energy beyond words. And she said, so what time did you, did you do this? And I was like, okay, this and that time. And she said, okay, so 15 minutes after my, my mother, you know, they could take the, the tubes away from her, you know, all the equipment that was, you know, helping her breathe. And she, she just went home and she was, you know, all right. And I was like, wow. wow. <laughs> so that was even beyond my own imagination. And this is just like one small thing that we humans are capable of. But most of us, if we are distracted and if we are numbing ourselves, if we are running in the rat race, we don't give these, these gifts opportunities to evolve and to grow. No, I mean, when I, the first time I ever did any medium work, it was because I was working a party and this person's father kept coming to me and I'm like, I was not aware. And then I'm like, he wants to talk to you. And finally it was just like, give me your hands. And she's like, okay. Cause she's like, I can't do this. I'm like, just give me your hands. And so I did, I picked up on it. It's like, it's not something I want to do. And I don't have to, I realized I don't have to hold somebody's hands to do it now, mm -hmm. but it's one of those things where you don't, it just comes to you. Before I let you go, there is a couple, two things I want to talk about. One thing is, you know, you're talking about the divine feminine, and that's the thing about our society as we are now. Whether it be religion or government, for the most part, we're a patriarchal world. 
we don't really see the value in women. Yes, there are some women leaders, I know, but still, even that, in traditional, the bigger places, you don't see that anymore. Yes, we had Margaret Thatcher for a long time in the UK, but now we don't have that. And people people don't respect women. They, they just want to keep the, the status of you have a place in the home. And for me, being a woman and being in the feminine energy is not the same thing because the feminine energy is well, we can see it everywhere, you know, in nature. Things are just growing and you can see butterflies. So it's very subtle, but yet very powerful. So the feminine energy is very, you know, creative. Like, and us as women in women, in female bodies, we have the gift to, to give life, to give birth, you know, like to conceive babies. Isn't that, you know, a God? god god's gift i don't know what is like you can you can bring life into this little egg and this sperm and it becomes a baby so that's like you know speaking about manifestation and 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 um, doing great things so for thousands of years also some systems like religious systems for instance uh, have held the woman, the female body in a very low, it has been contained in very low energy uh, by the masculine energy and by those in power. So the feminine energy is about creativity, sexuality. It's about uh, bringing life into things and not only bringing life, but also making the life beautiful. So we need the feminine essence. We need the divine feminine, but we also need the divine masculine, the conscious masculine, which can be the clarity, like, like a sword that cuts through all the bullshit, the bullshit that resides within me and all the bullshit that is out there. Just this sword of clarity to see through all the veils of illusions and the programs that we have. So we need the both the energies. I'm in a female body in this lifetime, I need them both. And, and a male and a male body need them both because if I'm only about love and compassion and love and light, but I don't take actions from this space, then, then it's also an imbalance. And if I only have the clarity, you know, I have the clarity, I see everything clearly. I, I see beyond this matrix and I see beyond all these lies that are, you know, that that governs us or whatever. But I don't have the, the heart, the empathy or the unconditional love. Then, so we need them both. Um, and this is what is going on from a yogic perspective globally today. Because again, as we've said, that everything has been so suppressed and capped in low frequencies, low consciousness. So... We need to move from the unconscious feminine and the unconscious masculine into the divine feminine and divine masculine. And well, like they right, need to merge. Well, like right now, we are having a Pluto return in the U.S. And that's supposed to go on until like 2024. So all this ugliness that, you know, the suppression of Roe v. Wade and all these other things and diminishing people, because that's exactly what's going on. The political system wants to diminish people, diminish groups. And 
it's only going to continue until we get past this because this is our return. This is when the Declaration of Independence was signed and we're going through this. And so you get to see all our warts, all our nastiness because, and people can get mad at me, while America is a great country, we have our warts. And I mean, America's perception of the Swede of, of Sweden is, oh, they're a peaceful group of people. So I was kind of shocked when you told me what you did initially. And, you know, we also, no offense, we, in the 80s, the, the Swedish bikini team was the big thing for a Budweiser yeah. ad. I mean, so you're presented with this media spin of how Sweden is, just like I'm sure over there, you're presented with how the U.S. is. And now because we are becoming so interconnected with social media, our warts are being shown. And basically, I just put it bluntly, our ass is out there for the world to see. And it's not always so pretty. And we have to understand, though, that we can't keep diminishing people in groups because we're not perfect. Nobody is. And until we accept that everybody deserves a chance and deserves happiness and, and outside things aren't going to bring it to us, we're not going to move sure. forward. For sure. I totally agree. Yet. However, it is so important that all the ugliness is being seen, oh, being yeah. witnessed, because that is, if we become aware of the ugliness, then we have the opportunity to change it. It is exactly what we've been talking about for this past hour. Like if, if, if everything is invisible or unconscious, how can we ever change anything? So it needs to become all the dirt is coming up to the surface for everybody to see, you know, how corrupt society is, how bullshitted we are, how fucked up programs we have. And we need to dare to see this because when the ugliness is being seen, then it can transform into like manure for consciousness to grow. So the light can grow from there. But if we pretend we don't see it, if we pretend that everything is just, you know, love and light and total bliss and everything is just great, then we are not open to see the shit and then nothing can grow because things grow from shit, right? Well, and then one thing is too, you know, studying history in school, the victor goes to spoil. So we're taught history that has been, dare I say, whitewashed. We were taught history that had nothing to do with our own atrocities in this country. And now it's like, well, the internet has unearthed this, that we weren't necessarily, and I'm not saying everything on the internet is 100% true. I'm not saying that at all. However, knowing that Central Park was not a park before, that it actually was a town and they had different things going on in there, I'm not going into detail, or that we had an Oklahoma City bombing that was not what we know the Oklahoma City bombing to be. Those things are tantamount that should be taught and it should be honest history. And that's one thing about the internet, that there is more truth out there sometimes that has been buried because we didn't want somebody else to know about our atrocities. Exactly, exactly. And you have to have the courage to look at the shit and, and what resonates with you. I mean, because deep down, we all have the answer. You know, we each and one of us have the answer. But again, we're so programmed and we're so lost and we have silently given the consent to all these things that is going on. So each and one of us are a part of what is going on in the world today. 
And that's why it's becoming invisible. So each and one of us can take radical responsibility for our own energy, for our own blood lineages, for our own traumas, wounds, etc., etc. And we cannot say, you know, it's my, uh, it's my boss. Uh, this is my parents wrong that I'm like this, or that I, you know, did that I became so sick, or it's my boss is wrong, or is my spouse is wrong. No, it's your, your responsibility. And, and we cannot trust, you know, the government to fix things because we are all in this shit together. So each and one of us that becomes, that gets access to more and higher states of consciousness, then we transmit this, this new energy out there. And the more we are open to dare to see, as you say, and the more we will see, the more we can transform. Well, the one thing you just touched on real quick is the fact that, and I learned this from my very first claim on insurance, nobody wants to take responsibility for their actions. Now, while I, I didn't have necessarily the best time as a kid, I also know that I have to take responsibility for who I am now. Exactly. And when you're willing to face that trauma, and it, this is something uh, Zach Levy from, or Levi from Shazam and Chuck, he was talking about the fact that people get upset and we need trigger warnings. But he's made a good point about trigger warnings. He's like, a trigger warning is you you don't you want a trigger warning because something in there is going to trigger you. And that trigger is going to make you look at something you don't want to look at and don't want to work on. So until you actually are willing to face it, it's going to trigger you. Exactly. And, and that's the thing. It's like, why are we, you know, instead of being so sensitive and having trigger warnings, why not face it? It takes courage to not blame everybody else for the situation you're in and to face where you're at and to look at it and heal it. And, and the thing is, and this is where people get lost, even if you heal it, the universe is gonna come back around later on and give you a test to make sure you yeah. understood. For sure, for sure. And then it's bringing us back to what we started to talk about, you know, being a parent and a connection to parents and everything that you yourself are being responsible, responsible for giving yourself now what you didn't get when as you were a child so you are both you know you're in a child and you can be the parent and you're the healer and you're you're everything you're this divine creator but it's your responsibility if you didn't have a happy childhood my childhood was you know it looked pretty good on the surface but as i said i was only three months old i was a baby when i was in, in daycare moms you know, home for 10 hours a day. And that did something to me. It, it damaged my chakra system. It damaged my trust to myself and to society. It damaged my connection to self and society. It damaged my immune system, everything. But it's never too late to have this, you know, happy childhood, but you are responsible for it. Not your husband, not your children, not your pet, not your boss, not your government, but you. And this is what most people are getting so upset about because it's also, it's like this double-edged sword. It's a gift that you're responsible, but it's also very challenging because then there's nobody to blame if you don't, you know, if you don't act upon it. Well, I was going to say, touch upon something that you mentioned trust. It's, it's, that's the one thing we, people that have trust issues, it's like, well, we, we blame the people from our past, but you touched on something that actually is very true. 
We blame people from our past that created these trust issues, but maybe the core root here is that we we made choices and realized that we made the wrong choices, therefore we don't trust ourselves. Exactly. So again, what's what's the chicken and what's the egg? Right, exactly. So the karma thing, do you do that virtually or do you, how, you know, how does that work? So uh if you were to hire me, I would be like your representative and I would move into your, with your consent because I can never do anything without consent. Uh, so I, I ask permission to move into your Akashic records. Have you heard about the Akashic yes. records? Yes. yes. So for those of you who are listening and don't, doesn't know what it is, it's like Google for the soul. It's like everything that we've been talking about here, like every reincarnation, everything that you have ever experienced in all lifetimes, everything that you will ever experience in your future lifetimes or in, and in this lifetime is stored within our individual Akashic records. And then they're entangled in this gigantic energetic database, the Akashic library, so to speak. But so I go in there and then I work from distance. So I can do it like your karma clearing, even though that you're in Chicago, I do it from, from here. And then it takes maybe between seven and 10 hours for me to work on because uh, your soul gives me all this information. It shares the information that is vital for you to know here and now. So you can do the necessarily changes you know, you clear it all out. It's like a virus on the hard wire and you just remove it. And then you do new actions because if we know if we're going to do the same old, same old, then we're going to have the same old, same old. So then I give you the feedback. Uh, so first I do it, the work, you know, like retrieving the information from your soul. And then I give it as a feedback to you and also it's being recorded. And in these karmas, clearing sessions, you get to know who you are at the soul level, you get to know your gifts, you get to know, you know, from what planet, from what galaxy are you from, and what are the gifts from this planet, and what are the challenges, and you get to know your, the center, your energy centers, like what are your gifts and your polarities, your challenges there, so then you know who you are, your divine soul blueprint, and you also get this sort of, you know, erase all past negative choices that you ever did that were not aligned with who you are. So it's, it's a beautiful and immensely powerful session that uh, I was just doing it one before and you know, it's, okay. it's just mind blowing. So is there anything that we, I know we went all over the place. Is there anything that we didn't <laughs> talk about that you wanted to add? I think we're going to have to have a new conversation and talk maybe about sacred sexuality a bit more, Donna. So okay. uh, yeah. There's so much to say about uh, that as well, but um, yeah, and if you feel that anything that I've said resonates with you, you know, you're free to connect with me, and uh, my web website is www.uliscarlson.com, so it's U-L-I-S-K-A-R-L-S-O-N.com. And that will also be in the show notes. That's good. And so, and my books, uh, all my, my four books that I'm participating in uh, as an author or co-author are on Amazon. So you find them there in my name. Uh, I think it's either Ullis Carlson or Ulrika Carlson there. Okay. 
Well, thank you, Ulisk. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Donna, for having me and for this heartfelt conversation. And uh, I just love your energy. And it feels like we are on the same frequency, so, so to speak. And I also want to say thank you for listening. Thank you. So Eureka's conversation, I think it was, we went all over the place and we talked about a lot of different things. We talked about the yogi perspective, which we, we've done that twice this season. And I think that when we look at energy and we look at how we're connected and how we're connected to our body, there's a lot to be taken in from that. I mean, we do stress ourselves out. We stress ourselves out with fear, with worry, with, you know, is this going to work out this way? Is it going to be this way? Am I making enough money? Am I meeting everybody's expectations? And we've talked about expectations way back, I think in season one or two. And the fact of the matter is expectations are our own. No matter what somebody else may expect of us, our expectations are at our root. And we have to look at ourselves with grace. We can't just go, okay, everything's going to be fine. Because what if it's not? What if, it, what if we are so stressed out and worried that we're creating our own problems? We create our own worry. We create our own fear. Fear that may never manifest. And accept as manifesting into a problem for ourselves. So we need to step back and really look at managing ourselves and taking care of ourselves because the stress is not something that's good for us and it'll hurt. Eventually it'll take you down physically, if not mentally. So I hope you got something from our conversation. You can check our books out. All the links are in the show notes. And as always, I thank you for tuning in to the Better Two podcast. We are counting down the season and I may be taking a little bit of a hiatus. I don't know. We'll see. But life is changing and I think everybody's going through that change right now. So if you're having a hard time struggling or whatever, reach out to somebody and talk to them because you don't have to suffer alone. And she said, you know, everything was getting to her that she was suicidal. She got past it and you can too. So don't ever let something feel so dark that you feel trapped and you can't move because honestly, you can always make changes. And that's something I told my mom, but she didn't quite listen. So if you need help, reach out for help. And if you want to get out of a situation that you're not happy in, do it. You have to. You can't just stay there because you're used to it. Because even if you're used to the abuse or the manipulation, it's still toxic for you. So follow your soul, follow your bliss. And I know that seems easy. And yes, we need things to live and we need money and we need cars and we need houses and blah, 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 blah. But if a job is toxic to your relationship is toxic, you have to find your bliss. Otherwise, your unhappiness is just going to keep growing. And very much like a volcano, eventually you're going to erupt. And it's not going to be pretty for anybody, including yourself. So on that note, I hope you have a wonderful day, weekend. If you have a question or a comment, please reach out at Donna, D-A-U-N-A, at better2podcast.com. That's Donna at better2podcast.com. And well, I hope you enjoy the show and I'll catch you next time, guys. Bye.
Better Two podcast is mixed, edited, and produced by Rich Zai of Third Ear Audio Productions. 